there will be in the morning. At least we hope so. After a very tough loss this weekend for the Virginia football team. Welcome everybody to the Around the Rotunda podcast. My name is Austin Deer, and I'm back again with my co-host. We're all back together again, guys. Uh, I'm here with Sean Crow and Hunter Simons, guys. Uh, you know, like I just stated here, tough, uh, tough week for the Hoos. Specified in his press conference, there will be joy in the morning. Pulling one out of Tony Bennett's playbook. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling after the loss? Do you guys think there will be joy in the morning? Yeah, I mean, I I always love doing these podcasts a whole lot more after a win than a loss. But um, you know, certainly that was kind of I'm hoping the lowest point of the season. So. You know, I'm optimistic that we'll get things, you know, at least trended in the right direction. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously it was a disappointing game. I think you guys got spared a little bit of not having to watch the entire thing live. Um, but you did, unfortunately, have to have the wrath of my angry texts in our group thread. Um, <laughs> even, like, when I did get a response seven times in a row, I still had to keep rage live tweeting essentially what was happening in the game so i'm over to share share the misery with someone just given how bad it was but nah it was it was obviously disheartening uh didn't go at all how i thought it would but um you know as tony kind of mentioned in his press conference i think there's a lot to learn and gain from this so i'm hoping we can spin it into a positive and that's certainly the outlook i'm trying to take um going into this podcast tonight yeah I'm, I'm over here playing in the softball tournament on Saturday, and I'm just getting, like, one text after another from, from Hunter, and it's in, like, all caps, like, what the hell's going on? Like, what's that? Like, what kind of play was that? And, like, why is there no discipline? And I'm just like, what is happening right now? And, you know, of course, I had to go back and watch the game so I could, you know, make an informed podcast for our fan base uh, this week. So, you know, that was a complete waste of my Monday morning, but I did it anyways because, you know what? I care about the fans and, you know, we got to make sure that we're well, inf- that I'm, that I'm well informed. So, you know, three years taken off my life that I'm never going to, I mean, uh, three hours taken off my life that I'm never going to get back. But um, even though it felt like three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm but, impressed hey. you were able to go back and actually sit through that entire thing. Cause oh. it was hard to do it in the first time around. I think I would have gotten more excitement out of watching paint dry to be completely honest with you. I could be less heartbreaking. I could have watched paint dry and read a Shakespeare book and been more entertained than I was watching that football game. So that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> uh, but obviously you kind of talked about um, Hunter, how, you know, taking some things away from Elliot's from coach Elliot's presser. Um, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday. So we heard the presser today. Um, definitely like some of the things that he said, had some questions about some of the things that he said as well. Um, one thing that I liked a lot was that he opened things up with saying the what we got out of this was we know what we need to work on. Like, there was uh, – we're not really sure yet. We're still trying to figure things out. It was down to the nitty-gritty. They understand, hey, we have X, Y, and Z that we need to work on, and we're going to get better at it. Some questions that I have is there wasn't – didn't really seem like a whole lot of responsibility on the offensive end as far as the play calling goes. Um, I was hoping to see maybe some acknowledgement of, hey, we need to change the game plan up a little bit to, you know, play to our strengths and our weaknesses. 
Um, I don't know what, maybe how you guys feel about that, Sean. Uh, kind of what are what was your takeaways from from the press conference? Are you kind of on the same page? In general, yeah, no, I was definitely on the same page with you there. You know, I think a few interesting takeaways that we've gathered so far this week. So one that stood out to me was that, um, uh, you know, Tony Elliott mentioned that kind of during the game, he felt that the offense lost their composure, and I definitely felt the same way. I think he said that, you know, Keaton Thompson was really the only one that was, you know, really trying to rally the group um, after their, their poor execution. And, you know, he even kind of – he didn't call Brennan out, but he said that he he was hoping to see Brennan kind of respond how Keaton did of, like, trying to to rally the team together, um, you know, and, and really kind of wake the, the team up after a slow start. And, unfortunately, just that never really happened in the game. Um, so, yeah, definitely – uh, similar takeaway from you from the press conference and that, um, you know, some accountability on offense from both the, the coaches and the players would be hoping to see uh, more of that going forward. Um, and then, you know, an, another interesting takeaway from this week so far has been, um, you know, we, we saw the depth chart today. Ty Furnish kind of confirmed to the uh, to the press that, you know, so far this week in practice, it's it's pretty much been sticking to the same offensive line grouping um, and just kind of them, you know, maintaining that they're going to get it fixed. And, you know, I would just – with how the offensive line performed on Saturday, you know, I, I would certainly hope to see uh, some significant improvement because, um, you know, I, I praised them after the Richmond game, but, man, that was a rough showing against Illinois. So um, those are kind of some takeaways that I had from the press conference and what we've we've heard so far this week. For sure. And, you know, kind of talking about the offensive line, um, Hunter, do you see it as a positive that the group is staying together, uh, you know, as just one start as that starting five unit? Or do you think that maybe you should switch it up? Because the way that I look at it is for the first couple of weeks, sure, keep that same starting five out there, see if they gel together and see if you see gradual improvements from week to week. Illinois, I think that's probably one of the toughest defensive fronts that you're going to face all year, maybe comparatively to Pitt um, later on in the season. But I still don't think that I still think that Illinois is going to be the better defensive front. Do you think it's better to keep them together and allow them to continue to gel and learn from their mistakes, or do you think that we should start seeing changes being made? I'm a little on the fence about it, to be honest. I, I see the. I can totally see from a coaching standpoint where you just want to have your five guys that you trust. Um, that like get as many reps together as possible and, you know, really just get that chemistry established. But at the same time, I think what we've actually seen in practice from 2J, um, you know, basically since he's been here is while we'll announce the same starting five, he hasn't been afraid to rotate even, you know, within drives. Um, so, you know, I still really want to see Josie, honestly, get some more snaps. I- I've been impressed with him in ways that I haven't been very impressed with other guys. So I don't know, like, you know, the ins and outs of everything to do with like our blocking scheme and what's required in our, you know, offensive system, but I've seen him make some pretty notable blocks um, on some big plays that we've had. So maybe it's just a down by down consistency thing. I thought Leach when he got put in um, on Saturday, just didn't look ready for it at all. Um, And I get it. He's coming off of an injury that's, had him probably out of practice for a couple of weeks. Um, so I still trust that he's got the mechanics and the skill set to, 
to be a guy that can probably slide into our starting five by the end of the season. But I think, you know, he didn't really look ready to go at all on Friday or on Saturday. Um, so I, I can see where, you know, maybe they think, okay, you know, we've got this set of five that's probably gotten the most reps together. Like, let's try to keep that going as long as we can and we'll make changes if we need to. So I think that's the way they're approaching it, but I still expect to see probably seven linemen at a minimum playing on Saturday. For sure. And he, he kind of harped on uh, on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, you know, I think, Sean, you, you kind of made a good point too with how, you know, they, he really highlighted how Keaton was really the only one um, trying to pull the guys together through those offensive struggles. And, you know, as for your starting quarterback, you know, you have to have that expectation of, them being willing to Brennan being willing to step up and and pull those guys out of you know those bad times and I can't lie it's a little bit concerning for me that he's not doing that um if if that's the case uh you know I think he he noted that Brennan did try but obviously it wasn't as successful as you know coach Elliott was looking for and it seems like it seems like from what they've kind of what he's kind of touched on during his presser you know he's trying to get these guys to what they did last year. Yeah. They had a Mm -hmm. lot of success last year, but you know, you're, you're, you're in a new system now. It's not this, it's, you're not, you're not running in, in, in Robert and I's system anymore. You're running in coach Elliott's and, and Des Kitching's uh, system. Now it's, it's what they're putting together to prepare you guys for success in the future. And quite frankly, if you can't be successful in more than one system, you're not going to be successful in the NFL. Right. You have to be able to adapt to whatever system that you are going to play in. I understand it's a little bit of a challenge when you're thrown into something brand new after playing in something that was so successful literally a year ago. But you have to understand that it comes sometimes change happens, and you have to be ready to – make that change on the fly yep. and if these guys aren't up for the test then coach Elliott and, and Dez are going to have quite an uphill battle on their hands so it takes them buying in and takes them you know being prepared to move forward with that right so I'm hoping that this is one setback there's still a lot of talent on that offense there's no denying that there's still a lot of talent now that being said do you, could the coaches have adjusted the game plan a little bit to, you know, especially for a struggling offensive line, get a couple of sweeps in there, maybe some screens, short passes, get Billy Kemp involved. Man didn't have one single catch against Illinois. He's your slot Crazy. guy. Get him or get him or Keaton in, uh, in the slot. It passes out quickly with Brent, when Brennan doesn't have any time to throw. You can adjust the game plan and still try and build this offensive foundation that you want to have. Yeah. So, that's where the frustrating part was for me, but I'm hoping to see improvements going forward. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, a couple more things to take away. Um, Darius Bratton, they're hoping the injury that he has isn't too serious dealing with a little bit of a high ankle sprain right now. Not necessarily ideal. I'm, I know that that can, that's kind of a, we'll wait and see kind of timetable. Um, you know, it can either, it's one of those injuries that can either go quickly or it's going to take a while. So here's the hoping that he, um, that he recovers uh, quickly, but, been really impressed with what I've seen, what I with what I saw from the secondary um, this past weekend with with him even out, and then uh, some breaking news 
Mike Green no longer with the team. I know we talked about him uh, before the season started, and I think he was kind of a lot of, on a lot of people's radars um, as somebody that could possibly, you know, stand out and have an impact on that defensive line. So losing him, I'm not sure if it's for good, but it definitely seemed like it's for good. Um, it's it's really unfortunate that, you know, he's no longer with the program. But, hey, we move forward. There's still a lot of good defensive line. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's a group that's continuing to improve as well. So, uh, anything you guys want to add on uh, Elliot's presser before we move on to, to looking into Illinois? I, I think the main thing I'll just say real quick was, uh, you know, his point about the mentality of our offense, and it just felt, like, fragile on Saturday to me. It was, like, the first sign of adversity. We just, like, started reverting back to what he probably considered to be old habits that aren't going to work in this system. It did really truly feel like Wicks – specifically and you guys know i'm like his biggest fan probably um you know he he just it seemed like he just expected that he would be dominant because that was the case against pretty much everyone he went up against last year but one game that really you know sticks out of my memory was the virginia tech game when he had a couple of drop balls in the beginning of the second half and it was like he wasn't even there the rest of the game um i think that you kind of saw something similar to that where, you know, something went wrong and his mentality was just to get frustrated and to um, maybe not know how to respond to that adversity. Um, so I thought it was nice to know that like, you know, he's being coached up on that. And it sounds like from what Tony said in the pressers that like him and the rest of the room have responded very well to begin this week and that they've had a couple of really good practices to begin the week. Um, and that like, you know, they're working on that side of, you know, it's not all just a physical game. Like you got to work on your mindset as well. So um, I like, you know, I always find these like post loss um, press conferences to be a little bit therapeutic. Like I sort of usually just shut off all systems for a day or two and try to just like go radio silence and wait for the man himself to come up and speak. So uh, I, I was really refreshing to finally get a chance to hear, you know, from the main guy, what, what's going on behind the scenes. Well, hey, if you didn't shut off and you, know, you took one look at Twitter, you can see about a thousand people that seem to be the head coach of the University of Virginia now. So, uh, yep, hence you know. me shutting all <laughs> systems down and burying my head in the sand and focusing on my Miami Dolphins taking down the uh, the New England Patriots. Absolutely, shout out to the Dolphins. I'm definitely kind of jumping on that that AFC bandwagon this this year. Those uh, those boys seem to be seem to be off to a good start. Yes, sir. So, um, all right. Well, as much as we hate it, let's uh, we still gotta we still gotta do it. Let's take a look into in, into the Illinois game a little bit. Um, while there was a lot of negatives, definitely still some positives to take away. Um, but kind of looking from stat line standpoint, kind of who stood out, who had some b- bad games. Uh, the Who's lost twenty four to three. Defense started out incredible. Um, I mean, couldn't have asked for anything more. Two turnovers, a pick fumble and then two three and outs you would have thought after that uh well we're blowing this thing wide open we're going to finish our business trip in in illinois and we're going to you know sing kumbaya on our way back to charlottesville nope <laughs> 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 <We saw> wrong. <laughs> uh, the offense uh as we alluded to um had a complete implosion really bad day all around offensive line seriously struggled in this game, um, I, I saw times where Illinois was literally bringing three guys, and they just ran right on through. 
Um, there that play specifically where the ball was handed off to uh, Paris Jones, I believe, and two guys just walked right into the backfield and tackled for like a four four yard loss. Right. I mean, it, it was constant times where Brennan literally had a second to throw, a second and a half to. If he and, and I, I love I love Coach Two J. I think there's no doubt that every single person, almost every single person in this fan base, loves Coach Two J. But this man has an incredibly large uphill battle with this offensive line. People forget that they, we literally lost all of our starters on that offensive line, like everyone. Even some of like the top reserves, like exactly. probably the top, the top seven or eight linemen are all gone. Gone I don't care how good of a coach you are. The offensive line has to be in unison. They have to work together. How They can be great individually, but if they're not working together, they're not going to be good. Plain and simple. And we mm-hmm. saw that get exposed yesterday, I mean, on Saturday. So I think that alone led to kind of some of these offensive struggles that we, came, that we went to see. You have Brendan Armstrong, who went – 13 for 32, 180 yards, two interceptions, and a whopping 8.3 QB rating. He actually has one of the worst QB ratings in all of college football right now. But after two games, after after yeah, after two weeks, you don't see that from Brennan. No. He's way too talented to putting up to be putting up numbers like that. And as much as I hate to say it, I think it starts with the offensive line. He doesn't trust them. And yeah. that's not a knock on the coach or anything like that. I think it's just the fact of he doesn't have protection back there. And when you don't have protection, you're not going to be comfortable standing in the pocket. Yep. And the two the two plays that he rolled out on and they got him out of the pocket were successful. Yep. It's like, why don't we do more of that? Play to your strengths. Play to your weaknesses. Make your weaknesses into strengths. Like, do something. Yeah. The ru- rushing attack was added with Paris Jones and, and Mike Hollins. Mike Hollins, Hollins actually had a really a much better day today on Saturday. Um, now, from a rushing standpoint, they didn't, neither one of them added much. Paris Jones had seven carries for 26 yards. Mike Hollins had five carries for 12 yards. Um, but from a pass protection standpoint, uh, where we ridiculed Mike Collins against Richmond, took a major step up um, this week. He was actually the uh, highest highest rated pass blocker on the team, which is bad. Like for the whole team? <laughs> for the entire team, he was the highest rated pass blocker. That's not that's not a good look. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. I think it was from the the P, the PPF rankings or whatever. Yeah, he. Um, he had the highest. He had. The, I, I didn't. I didn't see exactly what it was, um, or just can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, he had the. He had the highest. He had the highest pass protection rating out of the entire team, including the offensive line, which is very concerning. Yeah. So, um, if either one of you guys know that number, uh, let me know. But uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, we knew that running the football was going to be a struggle. You know, Illinois has done a very good job of limiting, limiting teams on the run. And especially given the way the offensive line played, I wasn't expecting much at all. Um, and then from the receiving group, I mean, 
that Brennan didn't have a good day, and in turn, the I mean the the receiving group themselves didn't do a great job of getting separation. Um, they see it seemed like Illinois secondary was doing a very good job of you know locking our guys up, and you know when you have a struggling quarterback, sometimes you just got to find a way to make a play. And yeah. it didn't really seem like they were doing that. And I think that's something that kind of Coach Elliott alluded to with you know. The guys weren't the guys weren't in it. They they weren't they weren't focused and and doing whatever they could to help their quarterback. Yeah, it felt like you know Keaton was kind of the one bright spot in my opinion. Like he was battling through some really really physical route running. Like they were basically jamming the line of scrimmage. Their their game plan was really really simple. It was get five guys on the line of scrimmage, pass rush every single play, like plug every single gap and then jam coverage at the line of scrimmage on our big physical wide receivers and then just play two safeties over top. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, because they could get pressure with literally only three, when they pressured five, they were at Brennan's neck within half a second of the snap, and our guys were maybe two or three yards down the field by the time he was already trying to get the ball out. Um and that's where, you know, I know we're going to get into this a little bit more, but it felt like we could have schemed around it a little bit, just get Brennan on the run, try to get him away from the pressure and run some like mesh routes or run some like screen passes or like I don't literally anything. It, it felt like every play was one where the receivers wouldn't be coming out of their release until they were 10 or 15 yards down the field. And we didn't have enough time for them to get that far down the field the way they were playing um, coverage. So, Kudos to, I mean, hats off, seriously, hats off to Illinois' defense because I think they came with a perfect game plan and they couldn't have any better against our team. Yeah, but I was impressed with Keaton, though. I did feel like he he came to play, was one of the few that showed, like, the mental fortitude to, to battle through some really tough moments. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, while there was so much ridicule, of the offense. So uh, it, it, it can't be, it can't be overlooked of how great of a day the defense had um, because in all reality, Illinois only scored 17, 17 offensive mm-hmm. points, which is a huge step up for what we've seen in the past or just, and just saw in last year. Because, you know, you think about what our defense was last year and how horrible we were with stopping the run. If that defense from last year had faced Illinois this year, Illinois would have easily scored 40 points. There's no doubt about it in my mind. They would have ran for over 300 yards and it wouldn't have been close. Um, but while Chase Brown still had a very good day, he's the best. He's one of the best running backs in the country. I mean, you're only going to do but so much to stop the guy. It was very much a bend but, di- but don't break mentality. Uh, they forced four turnovers, three, four, four turnovers. Four. Yeah, four turnovers, and <laughs> more turnovers than points scored. Yeah, dear God, that that just hurts to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we they forced four turnovers, and there were a lot of standouts. I thought the defensive line, while you know Chase Brown got his good good runs in, I thought from an overall containment standpoint, I thought the front seven did a really good job of improving throughout the game. I mean, they only scored three points in the second half altogether. Yep. Um, I mean, that's a 
that's a huge plus. The, the, the defense did exactly what it needed to do to, to put us in a position to win that football game. And, you know, I know we'll elaborate a little bit more when we talk about what we liked and what we didn't like, but I just want to go over a few key, key players. Um, Anthony Johnson had a really good day. He kind of started things off with that interception early on. Um, he had six tackles on the day. Incredibly impressed with Lex Long. I think he's turning, really turning into a standout defender on this defense, especially with Darius Bratton going out. You're seeing him really stepping up to the plate. He was our leading tackler with 13. He had a tackle for loss and a fumble recovery. Um, and then you had uh, guys that, um, you know, that uh, on the front seven with Cam Butler, Chico Bennett, and Nick Jackson, who all recorded a sack as well. Um, is there anybody else that you guys want to highlight in that? Um, but, you know, overall, I think just from from a, from a an entirety standpoint, I thought the defense was incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought Clary had a great game too. Just yeah. want to shout him out. Sorry, sorry yeah. if I beat you to the punch, Sean. <laughs> No, that's okay. Yeah, I was I was definitely gonna go with Clary as well. He was flying all over the field, and you know that that forced fumble he had. I think it was maybe late first quarter. Um, oh, that was a really good play. So I I thought, you know, both like really the whole defensive secondary had a really strong game overall. But both Lex Long and Antonio Clary, I was very impressed with. I'll say I'm really impressed with our safety's ability to tackle this season. It yeah. felt like they, like as a collective group last year, probably missed the most tackles on the entire team. Yep. Whereas this season, Clary, Long, King, and Bratton have and all been really, really physical and like making sure Sanker they get guys down to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San- if I didn't mention mention Sanker, I definitely meant to because he's probably him and Lex Long. Like the future is pretty bright in that defensive backfield with those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these guys are. I mean, these guys are young and they're already being asked a lot of them um you know with except for bratton bratton might be older than all three of us (laughs) (laughs) bratton is definitely older but you know it's it's good to have a guy like that that is you know able to step up when when you when you need him um but you know with 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 him being injured right now you know they're these younger guys are being asked a lot of them and somebody's got to step up and be a leader you know nick jackson can't be the leader for the secondary you know somebody else do it and I think I think Antonio Clary and um, Lex Long and guys like Jonas Sinker I think they've all they've all really done a great job of you know stepping up you know obviously Anthony Johnson's probably the the one with the most experience at that you know at that um at this point but um yeah I'm, I'm excited about what I'm seeing from this group I really am so uh then on special teams really nothing to highlight too much um Brennan Farrell made a field goal, but he also missed one. So, we'll yeah, the made one was pretty ugly. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah, quite yeah ugly. I, it, it was very ugly. Um, I don't really know what's going on with him, but his uh, his field goals haven't looked necessarily clean this year. Hoping yeah. that maybe he'll kind of work those work those kinks out a little bit. Um, but missing missing forty one yarders isn't necessarily ideal. Um, you know, obviously those things happen as a kicker, but he hasn't necessarily looked clean this year. Yeah, I don't know what happened with the field goal that did go in. You know, at first, like, based on the the ball's flight path through the air, I mean, I, I thought it must have been tipped, but I don't think it was tipped. I think it was just, mm-hmm. like, a weird, weird contact. And, I mean, I think it was from a similar distance, like, low 40-yard range. And he almost missed it short. Like, it was kind of like a, a lame duck field goal that just barely trickled through. And then um, if we're talking about special teams, of course, we also have to talk about the Billy Kemp fumble, which just really kind of 
I think we have to talk about it. <laughs> I, <laughs> as much as I'd like to overlook it. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna cover I'm gonna cover that in my dislike, so we can we can hold off to that if you don't if you don't want to waste your breath on it. Sure. All right, I'll just shout out one more positive. I think Daniel Sparks is pretty legit, oh, and he got a lot legit. of reps. He got a lot of reps on Saturday. <laughs> Holy cow! His legs probably he's probably been in an ice bath since then. Yeah. Well, good news. Uh, good news from uh, t- uh, Tony's press conference. Uh, he did say that uh, uh, Sparks is feeling good, and that they're hopeful that he'll be back for for ODU, because dear God. Uh, Brennan Farrell punting the football did not necessarily look great. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, I think he averaged 30 yards <laughs> per punt. <laughs> so, but hey, you know, it, it might give us an opportunity to uh, to see to see Will Betridge too. Um, you know, get in the game if, if for some reason uh, Brendan ha- Brendan has to uh, handle punts. All right, jumping over to what we liked, what we didn't like. Hunter, want to get us started? What did you like from the game? I mean, yeah, I just touched on it. So I'll just like kind of finish out the point. You know, I thought the defense was was very impressive just on a relative basis. Um, Given what we have grown accustomed to in the past two years, there was a lot to like. They could have folded, to be quite honest with you, when the game got tough in the the way that I felt like the offense kind of did. But I felt like the defense played to the very last whistle, Um, you know, they obviously went through a couple of moments of adversity early on. Chase Brown was getting his, but like you kind of mentioned it, Austin, it almost felt like it was part of the game plan was just acknowledging the fact that like, Hey, this guy is really freaking good. We're not going to like limit him to under 50 yards rushing, but if we can contain him and then shut down everything else and make them predictable, it sets us up for success. So Isaiah Williams, for example, is like a really talented player on their team at wideout. And I felt like he had very, very little, little impact on the game. Um, and that's a big testament to our, our secondary. Um, and then also, like, we haven't forced – there's been, like, stretches of four to five games where we haven't forced four turnovers. So to do that all in one game, um, there's always some element of luck to it. But at the same time, you got to be there to try to make the play. And it looked like we were targeting the football on a couple of those fumbles. So – um, I really like to see that. So I was happy that the defense did everything they could to keep us in the game and give the offense a chance. Um, and obviously very disappointed that the offense never took advantage of that. For sure. Sean. Yeah. So what I liked is, you know, very similar to what Hunter said. Uh, I mean, there's a few things, you know, that could still be improved upon and cleaned up, you know, as good as chase Brown is, there's probably still some improvements that we could see from rush defense um, and then, you know, the one kind of uh, lapse in coverage that Josh Ahern had that led to the big touchdown. But, you know, really, those two things aside, I mean, I, I really was really impressed with the defense overall. And what I would specifically say, and I mean, I think Hunter just got at this, but I think one thing that UVA fans have maybe noticed and complained about with Nick Howell's defense is just the passiveness with which we played, you know, very – you know, loose coverage, not really forcing the issue, not really causing too many uh, takeaways. Um, it really seemed, you know, like we had a nose for the football today, or not today, <laughs> on Saturday mm-hmm. against Illinois. Um, you know, Anthony Johnson going up and getting that ball, second play of the game, that's exactly what you need to kind of get the momentum and, you know, really jumpstart the whole team for, for a game. You know, it's too bad the offense couldn't 
capitalize on that, but, you know, that was a huge play to start the game. And then, you know, a few drives later, Chase Brown is starting to get into a groove. He's gashing us. And then, you know, a play I mentioned, Antonio Clary, you know, makes a huge play, game of strip, takeaway um, to halt all momentum. And sure enough, that led to our only three points of the game because that had us in field goal range. Um, and, you know, we didn't <laughs> – we didn't get a first down, I don't think, but uh, led to the one uh, one field goal we did have. So I was really impressed with the defense overall, especially with where we saw or like how we thought the defense would be this early in the season. I think they're definitely exceeding expectations. Um, and then I would specifically say that I'm most pleased with the playmaking and the ability to, to force a turnover, which we just – haven't seen a whole lot of that in uh, in recent years. For sure. Uh, for me, uh, I would say we've kind of I know we've already kind of touched on all this, but the emergence of Lex Long and Antonio Antonio Clary is something that I wasn't expecting this year. The amount of steps that they've taken uh, to help improve this secondary uh, has been a welcome surprise. Um. And then the defense starting the game with two turnovers and two. I think it's been a long time since we've really seen the defense start out fast. Uh, I think so much we've relied on the offense and wanting that quickly to compensate for the defense. Now that we're starting to finally see them kind of do their part and them start get the offense an opportunity to be successful and not have so much pressure on themselves to score. So I think the offense will come together. And if the defense can continue what they're doing, I think we're going to start as the season goes on. But I think so much of this is going to now hinge on the offense to figure things out and continue to do that. Uh, For what we didn't like, um, for me, I think we've already – Harped on this, the offensive line got got absolutely bullied um, in that game, hoping to see them take a step forward uh, as the season goes on. But, you know, it's just going to be, be interesting to see how much they continue to gel um, and what kind of improvements we can get from there, from that standpoint. Um, and then also the team's lack of discipline um, was very concerning for me. Uh, the no-fair catch by Billy, which ended up leading to a fumble and a touchdown. Um Dude just needs to he just needs to just fair catch the football. So like, yeah, so I think he's gotten bored of doing it. To be quite honest, that's that's my impression. And, and he like, he used one, to just go back there and fair catch everything, and now he be, yeah. it's one thing to be bored, but like I mean, you gotta you gotta make the right play. I don't yeah. disagree. Just fly, I gotta make the right play, and yeah. you know on top have the um. Central Cypress recovering the fumble in the end zone and trying to run it out four-yard line. It's like, dude, just take the damn knee. It's like even when we get something like – even when we have something positive happen to us, we still do something freaking stupid. Like, sure. like that was so frustrating. Especially when you already have a struggling offense. Like, take the knee, give them the field position. Ironically – we missed a field goal on that drive. Like that was one of our best drives coming off of that. But of course, I mean, it's like, of course we did. I mean, it's just like, it's, a, it's one thing after another. And then like you have Aaron from movies or unsportsmanlike conduct after the, you know, the, the interception, you have multiple false starts. I mean, it was just like, it was one thing after another. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just incredibly frustrating to watch. Tony Elliott was furious on the side on, on the sideline with Samui there. They oh yeah, it on ESPN. He was really chewing him out. Yeah, yeah. Just, I like that man. I like you just it. Can't yeah. you, you can't do that? And yeah. you know, I and I, I know I know people people hate on coaches that for some reason they hate on coaches that just put blame on players and whatnot. I think there's been a healthy balance between the two. I think the coaches have taken some responsibility, but ultimately the players got to execute better because quite frankly, the coaches can't go out there. And, they, they can't go out there and run their routes for them. They can't go out there and make throws for them. They can't come, go out there and, you know, have them not do stupid stuff. That's going to cause unfortunate like conduct penalties after you just, after your defense has gotten interception. Like, yeah. That's on the players. That's not on the coach. Sure. Totally. So, those are my – those are the things that I didn't like, Hunter. Yeah, I think, again, we touched on this earlier. Um, but I think just, like, the lack of adjustments from, like, an offensive play-calling standpoint, I thought there was – while, like, you know, we got to perform better, um, there's just some areas where it's not going to get fixed overnight from, like, a talent standpoint. So, you have to, like – strategically change your game plan around that to put your players in a position where they can succeed. And, you know, like a, a play that comes to mind is definitely like the big Lavelle Davis catch where you roll the pocket, you got someone in the flat, the corner has to respect, um, you know, basically you put, you force them into a situation where they have to make a decision um, and you give Brennan a chance to, to be isolated with one to two defenders where he can make a play himself. So, I, I thought there should have been more of that. Um was definitely frustrated to not see it, uh, <clears throat> especially when the, the offense is just clearly struggling with the game plan that we set out with to start the game. For sure. Sean, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm going to sound like a broken record, but for me the main thing was just a lack of composure on offense. So it kind of gets, you know, at some of the themes that you all have been hitting on, but – they just really on offense did not seem like they were ready for this environment, for this, you know, first road game, the, the hostility. And, you know, when they were punched in the mouth, they weren't able to, they weren't able to respond. And so, I mean, I can think back early to the game where uh, we had decent, decent starting field goal position. I think this might, I can't remember for certain, but this might've been after the first of Illinois missed field goals where we had decent starting field position and then Ty Furnish, you know, snaps the ball over Brennan's head and we take like a 27-yard loss. And it was literally like second and 37 from like the the five-yard line. I mean, that's that's a drive killer right there. And Ty Furnish is young, you know, his first away game, you know, only second game starting. But this is a guy that Tony Elliott, you know, praised all, all camp and uh, as someone who really emerged and they were really confident in him. So just to see – Kind of, and not just him, the whole offense, but just seeing him not be ready for, for the for the moment and for the environment, that was disheartening for me to see. And then you know, the the whole offensive line, as we touched on, you know, really struggled and we're letting the pressure get to Brennan. But I was I was a little disappointed to see that I think, you know, it's certainly understandable, but I really think Brennan kind of let that get to him. He started forcing things. He started rushing decisions. You know, made a few bad interceptions that I think were just kind of him heaving the ball up there. At least the second one definitely was that way. Yeah, it was um, bad. Yeah. And so just, you know, for 
senior quarterback, you know, who's been here, we have such high expectations for, who's, who's shown toughness on so many occasions that that was just a little surprising to see that he kind of let it get to him and panicked a little bit. And, not, and another thing that he did was it seemed like because he was expecting pressure on so many occasions, there were plenty of times where he just kind of ran too early. Like he just kind of put his head down and, you know, tried to just take off and run and only picked up a few yards. Um, yeah. But I think Hunter, where you're talking about moving the pocket around, I think that is where that would help with, you know, with that and not having to, you know, I get think on, he, on the run. I think he was like seeing shadows, like just like completely feeling like he yeah. was about to get hit like every single time he touched the ball, which to be frank, if I had a bunch of 300 pound dudes running at me that wanted to rip my head off, I'd be running every play too. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> totally. And then, yeah, the one last piece of the offensive composure that I'm alluding to, also what Hunter hit on, but Dontavian Wicks, you know, just had too many backbreaking drops. And I, I really think that, you know, he was rattled early in the game. And I think that he kind of let that get to his uh, confidence, his decisiveness, maybe even his focus a little bit. So I just really, I didn't like the fact that we got rattled early and we weren't able to, you know, stay tough and, and show any fight really um, yeah. other than Keaton, according to the coaches. So, yeah, we had a chance to get back in the game a couple of times and drop balls in the end zone um, yep. by him specifically, not to harp on him, but the only reason I'm calling him out specifically is just because we know what he's capable of. Um, yep. And it was very frustrating. Yeah. You, that was one of the all-caps texts that you guys got from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it, it was just really frustrating to see, you know, the defense give this team so many opportunities to be in position to, you know, not even win the game, but at least, like, the defense gave the offense countless opportunities to at least make it a, a competitive game. And, you know, the offense wasn't up for the task, so. Yeah. Yeah, so. All right, well, Sean, we know uh, – I know you got to skedaddle on out of here, but, you know, before you leave, I um, just want to get your uh, get your final prediction on uh, what you, how you expect the ODU game to go. Yeah, so I, I'm i definitely optimistic for a bounce-back game. You know, this, this game has a little intrigue to it in the fact that ODU beat Virginia Tech. Um, so it's kind of a – I've been – you know, I've, I've gotten some flack from friends about, oh, with how UVA looked, is ODU the best team in the state? I certainly don't think that's the case, but um, would be good to see us put the struggles of last week behind us and really just kind of take this game, put it away early. You know, I want to see us – I want to see us early, confident, decisive, and showing that they've really moved past last week. This is a team that we are more talented at them on both sides of the ball um we've seen you know they can be dangerous especially in norfolk but with this game being at scott stadium let's not let it get interesting let's jump on them early and so maybe i'll go with the prediction like i'll say 38 21 perfect i think that's a great pick. i think it's a great pick well you have a good evening man and uh hunter will stick around and uh we'll preview ODU here odu here shortly yeah. cool thanks guys all right, Hunter. Let's uh let's jump on over to our ODU preview. 
the Monarchs are one and one to start the year. Uh, they hold a win over VPI, Virginia Tech, Botech, uh, Wofford East, whatever you want to call them. The rivals, the rivals in Blacksburg that shall not be named, um, and they just lost this past weekend to East Carolina. Um, this is a team that is kind of hard to predict um, on paper. It seems like they're very gritty, but at the same time, I think there's definitely a lot of flaws in this team as well, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think they really struggle. They haven't necessarily put up a lot of numbers that are going to, you know, wow you. Um, What is your kind of like what you've seen from ODU up to this point? I know we kind of watched the ODU Tech game. Um, I'm not sure if you watched the ODU ECU game at all, but kind of what what are you kind of making of of this team up to this point? Yeah, I'll be candid. I haven't, I didn't get a chance to watch their ECU game, but I was definitely tuned in for every snap at the Virginia Tech game. So, you know, going off what I saw there, uh, very impressed with their mentality, their competitiveness, and like the chip on their shoulder. Um, and you know they're going to have the same belief that they can take down UVA if they beat Virginia Tech. Um, I think on an individual standpoint, I'm not impressed at all with their quarterback from what I saw. Um, of course, now he's probably going to go throw for 400 yards against us. But just being honest, what I saw in the first game, I didn't see a whole lot to like from him, um, and at least in the passing game. I thought he had a little bit of like a threat to run. Um, you know, I felt like they seem like a very momentum-based team. Like they, they thrive off of like changes in momentum and capitalize off of other teams' mistakes. Um, and I think that's obviously like a really key component to being a good football team. So they're totally the type of team that if we don't put points on the board, don't put them away, and if we give them opportunities, they will take them um, and they'll happily beat us in our own stadium. So I think that there's reason to be um, cautious going in, but it's not like one of those things where if we don't play a good game, like we still have a chance to lose. Like I think if UVA plays their A game or even their B game, this should be a a pretty comfortable win at home. I agree. And you alluded to their offense, you know, their quarterback not necessarily being um, impressive, only averaging about 220 pass yards per game. They're only averaging 20, about 20 points per game as well. And, their rushing attack isn't necessarily impressive as well. They're only averaging 49 and a half rush yards per game. So this is a team that really kind of lives off of, I think, forced turnovers, you know, a grit, you know, kind of grinding stuff out on defense and special teams and, you know, hoping that they kind of get a woman a prayer every once in a while to kind of keep themselves in games. At least that's kind of what I've seen from the first two. Uh, their quarterback is Hayden Wolf. Uh, he's 32 for six. Start the year 440 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 40.4 QB QB rating. Nothing to be excited about. I think, especially with an with an emerging secondary uh, that we've had over the last two weeks, and kind of see the improvements that we've seen from them. I, I don't see a heavy uh, a, a successful day out of the ODU passing attack. They really only have one guy, and Allie Jennings, the third. That's the pretty much the go-to guy in that receiving group. 
He uh, leads college football um, in receiving yards with 322 on 13 receptions, and he has all three touchdowns of Hayden Wolfs as well. And one thing that was worth noting as well is he – let's see here. He accounted for 200 of Wolfs' 275 yards for ZCU. So if that tells you anything, you stop this guy – that uh, that offense isn't moving the football too much. Yeah, or at least just limit him to only him. In the same way that, like with Illinois, we were able to kind of be like, all right, like Chase Brown, you're going to get yours, but we'll shut down everything else. Like, I think that's not the worst strategy in the world. And obviously, if you can just shut him down altogether, their offense might just fall off the tracks. Um, so, you know, at a high level, I feel pretty good about our defense in this game. I think that they'll come out to play again. Um, hopefully they'll be motivated. I think it's really just going to come down to can we consistently put drives together and put some points on the board. Um, and it's not like ODU's world beaters. Like, they're a good team. Like I said, they will beat us if we don't play our A game or if we don't play, like, you know, a good game on our end. But we should be able to move the ball. We should be able to score. It should be a chance to, you know, get right before we get into ACC play the week following. Yeah. Well, I have some good news for you, Hunter. Their defense is definitely suspect as well. They have <laughs> holes. Um, while they're only allowing 28 points per game, you know, they're definitely being helped by that with facing a, a pretty putrid uh, Virginia Tech offense. Um, they're allowing 432 yards per game, 233 yards on the uh, in the air, and 198 yards on the ground. A really good opportunity for the the offensive line and the running backs bounce back as well. Hopefully, have a field day against this defense because obviously that's a very big struggle of theirs, and might might open up some opportunities for running the receiving group to really, you know, maybe build some confidence back and and get those connections that we have seen from them in the past. Yeah, I agree. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, obviously, they do have some guys that are, uh, you know, worth, you know, you know, taking a look at. They have, of course, five turnovers um, this year so far through two, through two games. Four picks off of one team, though. Yeah, four picks off. Obviously, four of them came off of, uh, off of Virginia Tech. Um, but they uh, – they have it has led to them being a little bit successful. You know, they like I said, they're they're kind of a, a grinded out team, very gritty. You know, if if we get a, if they get a couple of picks against us, you know, it could be that motivation that they need just to get a, you know, get a. So you know, that sure. could really make the game interesting. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, you know, they have a really good linebacking group. Um, and Jason Henderson and Ryan Henry. Um, Henderson's kind of has merged as their top guy on defense uh, with 30 tackles, and he's added a half sack in there as well. Um, and then Ryan and Henry was someone that they kind of had really had high expectations for going into the season. Um, he's got one sack and one interception to start the year. So both a pretty good start uh, on the defensive side for look for kind of those guys to be the main players on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then Trey Hawkins, the third, um, is one guy that's kind of really stood out in the, sec- uh, in the secondary and really what's a struggling go to you secondary. Uh, we've seen them kind of give up some big plays 
and, you know, struggle, struggle to kind of keep up with receivers as well. But um, Trey Hawkins the third has uh, three pass deflections on the year, uh, which I think is pretty impressive as well. So should be interesting. Um, their special teams is also kind of worth, uh, worth taking a note. They uh, blocked two extra points for CCU. So, you know, these guys, I think they play with a lot of effort. They play with a lot of heart. You know, they're going to, yeah. they're going to beat, they, they can beat you up where it matters. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting, like, you know, the way they got one of their touchdowns against tech obviously was that errant snap on tech's field goal attempt where, you know, ODU probably had six guys flying after the football, mm-hmm. um, making sure that they were the first to recover it and then ultimately able to take it back to the house. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like they might not beat you in conventional ways, but they, they are a very hardworking team that maybe overcomes some talent deficiencies with just effort and, and teamwork. Um, and I think special teams is the like embodiment of effort and teamwork on, on the field. Um, and I think that, that it's no surprise that that's honestly their strongest point across all three phases of the game by far is their special teams play. Absolutely. And <clears throat> I mean, that's one thing that they kind of, we kind of saw from them last year, you know, wasn't always pretty with them. Um, so they they turned it on when they needed to um, to kind of grind out some wins and you know you know put a, you know semi successful season. Uh, but you know I think it's just a lot of eliminating mistakes for this team, and I think you'll be successful. So you know I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure on the offense to really take care of the football and kind of build, kind of bounce back from uh, what you know we saw from uh, them against Illinois. So, obviously, that kind of leads me into our points for keys to victory. Um, I think first things first, we need to see Brennan have a bounce-back game. Um, you know, this guy obviously struggled. Um, he was fine against Richmond. Definitely not great, but we know the talent's there. And I think, I think for him, this is a perfect opportunity for him to bounce back before we get into ACC play with a t- very tough road game against Sarah the, the, the next week, who, which is a team that's, you know, really has kind of exceeded expectations up to this point, I think. So, Brendan, I want to see bounce back. Um, and then ultimately, you also need better play out of the supporting cast around Brennan as well. Um, the wide receivers need to step up. The offensive line needs to step up. We need to see the running backs, you know, have a bounce back game um, and succeed there. So that you know, Brendan can maybe have some more opportunities to get op- to to find guys that are open. Um, you know, the running game is gonna is gonna set up the passing game for success. So you know, we need to hopefully hopefully the offense bounce back and you know, opening up some holes for those guys, and you know, they can find some success. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, uh, Wolf to Jennings combo is gonna be super important for this defense um, to be successful this week. I don't think they're gonna be super challenged, to be honest. Um, I think they're going to have an opportunity to really come away with some turnovers as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we have two or three turnovers on the game, but uh, I think shutting down this combo is going to be uh, it's going to be super important. And then lastly, uh, playing all four quarters, I, I think that's something that really should need to be said. But just based off what we've seen from the first two games, I think it's going to be super important. Those guys like either the offense has like played all of it or you know the defense played all of it or you know a little bit of combination of both of them not playing all uh, all, all it's, uh, there needs to be a mindset going into this game of you play from the first whistle to the last whistle and there needs to be 100% effort given in every single play 
and not to be able to overcome some adversity. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, I think it's been a while since we've seen the offense and the defense come together, play complimentary football, um, especially for an entire game. So I think we're kind of desperate for that at this point. Um, and even if neither group is, you know, clicking on all cylinders, if they're at least showing a pulse and, um, you know, kind of thriving simultaneously, I think, you know, we're a tough football team to beat when, you know, when we're cohesive across the entire, you know, three phases of the game. So absolutely. Definitely looking forward to that. For sure. For sure. All right. Before we, before we jump over to our degeneracy for the week, um, (laughs) I made I made a promise on Twitter, uh, and just from some of the stuff that I've seen over the last couple of days after this game, uh, I, I'm I'm pulling one out of a Mod Hawkins playbook, and I'm going petty here for a minute. The fans need to get it together, to say the least. Some of the crap that I've read on Twitter over the last couple of days is. Ridiculous. I've seen people that are already counting out this coaching staff. I've seen people that are asking for Coach and I wishing for him back. Like, that that alone is alarming. Like, do y'all forget that this to an offensive lineman? on third down with the game on the line against Virginia Tech, given a very bad Virginia Tech team with all the talent in the world that we had on that offense. You threw to a freaking offensive lineman. Do y'all forget that? That man had one foot out the door before the season was even over. He didn't want to be there anymore. And, like, you have to understand that when you have new – scheme and to a defensive scheme alone some 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 aspects of the team are going to respond better than others yes the defense we've seen improvement so they've they were to coach Rudd's uh defensive scheme the offense taking a little bit more time but it doesn't help when literally your entire offensive starting offensive line from last year and some key reserves are now gone like the, you have to build a whole new offensive lineup. These are guys that have played together multiple games for multiple years, and they're all gone. I'm sorry, but, like, the offensive line, it's not going to come together overnight. Calling for Coach 2J to be fired is ridiculous. The offensive has been one of the most successful positioning groups. Like, that man built our offensive line from absolutely nothing. He went two and ten that year. Two and ten. We lost to UConn and Richmond at home. And guess what? We went to a bowl game the next year. We saw a continuous improvement. You know, did Bronco leave it in a better position than where he found it? Absolutely. But you can't sit here and tell me that is just automatically going to be the best because Tony Elliott came in here 
with a brand new staff, a brand new scheme, everything, and these players are just expected to adjust to it by week two. That's just asinine and selfish. The amount of self seen on Twitter is absolutely insane. You guys give up on this team after two weeks. Two weeks. Because you faced a Big Ten team that just because came out last year, you expected the same exact thing. Well, newsflash, Illinois is a better team than they were last year. And you saw that. They literally, their strengths were going to expose our weaknesses. It just was going to be how it was going to be. This team is not going to be perfect. There's going to be adjustments that are going to need to be made as the season goes on. But one thing you have to remember is this. Tony Elliott has been the offensive coordinator at Clemson for God knows how long under Dabo Sweeney. Coaches that we've seen over the last decade next to Nick Saban. And some time. Y'all ready to just throw him to the curb with a new coach in. I don't care if you bring Bronco entire staff back. You're going to get the same exact results. It's not going to be any different. Yeah. Can't work it, magic. It, 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 Rome wasn't built overnight. This program, to get to where Tony Elliott wants it to be, is not going to be built overnight. It's time. Yeah. Bronco didn't just jump into this program after Mike London got and decided, oh, hey, I'm going to win the Coastal and go to the ACC championship. Nope. It literally took, what, four years for that to happen? Yep. Yep. Four years. It's different. When you have coaching changes, things change. Yeah. You have to be willing to accept the change. Bronco left on a whim. These players were not ready for that. But you have an entire roster that has stuck around to see what has bought into Tony Elliott's system and what he – the future of this program. He wants to create the model program in college football. He wants to build a championship pedigree in college football. I fully believe, and I, I, I said this from the moment that I listened to his first press conference, and I still believe it to this day. I fully believe that he's very capable of building a championship program here in Charlottesville. But a lot of it takes us as fans buying into that possible success. Yeah. I know you want to see I know you want to see results on the field. I know you want to see it happen. You just saying because we lost to Illinois on the road to a Big 10 team on the road, you would have thought we lost to freaking uh freaking Austin P or something. <laughs> We lost to Illinois. It's a big ten. It happens. It's like people forget the year that we went to the Belk Bowl and won, we lost to Indiana at Indiana in one of the ugliest games we played under Broncos tenure. It's like we're gonna have ugly games. It happens. It's football. It's sports in general. Like for the love of God, UVA lost to UNBC in the NCAA tournament, the first ever one seed to lose to a 16 seed. And y'all still go out there and wish it's freaking basketball season. Every yeah. single year. 
Because why? Because Tony El- Tony Bennett has earned the respect of the fans, and you guys bought into what he's doing, and because literally the next year he won a national championship. Now, I'm not saying that Tony Elliott is going to walk in here and win a national championship. I'm not saying that at all. He's going to have us compete, and it's not going to right. He's got to get his guys in here. He's got to get people buying into the system, and this team is going to do what it can based off its strength and weaknesses. But ultimately, if you guys want successful play on the field, you have to help the situation by creating atmosphere at Scott Stadium that's going to want, that's going to warrant having big-time recruits wanting to come play in Charlottesville. It's a really sad situation when I have to send out a fandom 101 of getting hype for big plays, being loud on every single down of defense, losing your mind when the offense makes a big play, getting to the game early, put down your freaking wine and cheese, grab yourself a beer, and get in the freaking stands. Yeah. And be loud. They want to see full stadiums. These players want to see something special that they can take away from their visit and say, damn, I want to be in Charlottesville. Because let's be honest, anybody that came to Richmond, if I was a recruit looking at that game, I'd say, damn, they only stayed till halftime, and they're crazy. That's yep. wild. It's not like it was 48-0 to zero either. Like it was we an 18-point were... game. We had struggled through the first quarter, too. And it's like we it's were so down 7 0. People said, screw it, I'm going to party. The amount of people that I saw that were just, you know, chilling in the parking lot, having their drinks. Yeah, that's crazy. Chatting it up. I'm mean, like, this is insane, folks. Absolutely insane. Yeah. You guys expect these players and whatnot and these coaches to put on a successful program without you doing any of the help to work. It's sad. And I know it's not everybody. I know there are a lot of loyal fans out there that stay there for the games and support this team through thick and thin. I, these are not the people that I am calling out right now. It's the people that I've seen all over Twitter that think that they're the best thing since Jesus Christ to walk this earth and are better than every single coach that we have helping build this program. And it's sad. It makes me very frustrated and sad and you have players, you have coaches that are all on Twitter and are reading this crap. What are supposed to think when they read all this? I understand it's part of the business, and I get it. You get paid, and as fans, we have expectations. But level of ridiculement and just complete ridiculous remarks that I have seen after losing to a Big Ten program and what probably is the worst game that we've seen in a while, yes, but it's still a Big Ten program is completely unexcusable. And honestly, and I hope that some of y'all will see the light a little bit and go out and support these guys because, you know what, they deserve it. And if you expect this program to take a jump forward, it's on us as fans to make yeah. sure that we're doing our part as well to make it a better experience at Scott Stadium. I'm done with my rant. <laughs> Really love the last part. I, I love the whole thing, but especially the last part is like we help to define the future of this football program, both by our attendance, our support level, and then also let's just be real, like monetarily. Um, this this sport is about money to some degree at the end of the day. 
Um, and we had a great campaign when Tony Elliott was first, uh, first hired in terms of donating to the master plan. Um, I'm not saying everyone needs to shell out thousands of dollars, but what I am saying is you can contribute by being there on game day. And if you can spare a couple extra dollars um, at the end of the season to, to give to the program, like they need everything they can get, man. Uh, the school doesn't really allocate all that much money to the football program, even though we're sitting on like a multi-billion dollar endowment. Um, that's frustrating in its own right. But I think that Carla is working to foster that relationship with uh, President Ryan and, and the, you know, the Board of Visitors to, to try to get more of that money moved over to football. But in the short term, there's a lot that we can do to make sure that it does go into the pocket of our coaching staff and um, you know, like the fundraising needs that we have to build these facilities that will attract top talent. Um, if you want to see a great product on the field, yes, like development's important uh, in terms of coaching. But at the end of the day, the greatest predictor of future success for college football teams is how well they recruit. Um, and so we have to step up our recruiting game. And the only way we can do that is by creating a, a more impressionable game day atmosphere. Um, we don't have to be Texas A&M, <laughs> even though they're a little bit in the negative category at the moment. But, you know, we don't have to be the craziest fan base in the world, but we just need to have a solid product out there that people are proud of. Um, and, and Tony alluded to this in his, in his press conference today. He's been an opposing coach in Scott Stadium and watched games that we've played for years. Like, Scott Stadium can be an incredible atmosphere. We've seen it even in the past few years. Um, you know, games that come to mind, obviously, the win of Virginia Tech, the Florida State game. Um, I'm, try I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones that are more recent, but, like, there's been some great atmospheres in that stadium. We know how good it can be. There's a lot of potential, but everyone's got to buy it. Um, and I know, like, you, you see me get frustrated, Austin, on game day. Like, our section's a library. And I, I put a tweet out a couple weeks ago that, like, I shouldn't feel self-conscious about being a fan and just basic cheering. Yeah. But yet, when I'm the only person in the section yelling, it's me, you, and my dad. Like, yeah, it's – it's just a little bit disheartening. Like, it's like, I, I feel kind of awkward now. I'm just going to sit down. Like, it's like, I'm, I don't, not, I'm not going to, and I'm right there with you. Like, I'm not going to apologize for sitting down at a game. Yeah. For, for standing up at a game. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Like, if I want to stand up on a third down play, then damn it, I'm going to stand up on a third down play. Yeah. And like, uh, like, right. I'm going to get hype for my team. And you know what? If you don't like it, I don't care. It's not like there aren't plenty of other seats you can move to if you exactly. if they can't see around you. <laughs> exactly. It's just like it, it's not. It just makes no sense. I mean, you you look at places like you know the swamp. You look at you know Kyle Field. You look. Let's at, call a spade a spade. Look at Lane Stadium, even. Now, man. Yeah, I mean, let's I just like, be real. I mean, it's, Come I mean, on, literally right down the street to at Virginia Tech. I mean, yeah, we we hate our rival and whatnot, but no one can sit here and deny that they have that they don't have a, a good atmosphere there. And their like, product on the field is like crap compared to what their fans awful. want. They they got they got absolutely embarrassed second time in Norfolk, and they had a packed house for their first home. Rocking, game. yep, absolutely rocking against Boston College. Yep, are their it's fans sad. frustrated? Hell yeah, they are. It's easy to see that their fans are frustrated with their current product on the. They still show up for their team. Yep, because they created this atmosphere. 
that they that everybody can get behind. It's why they continue to get good recruits there, and it's continue. It's why they'll be you know continue to be you know they're going to build relevant. back a successful program. They'll be relevant. That's what it is. Yeah. But all right. Well, enough uh, of that. Sorry for extending that, but I I also had some some thoughts that crept up as as you oh, were man. going. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's 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 petty time. So appreciate uh appreciate a mod getting behind. Let's that. get degenerate. <laughs> Yeah, let's get a little bit generous. All right, so it's time for ATR's Week Three Degeneracy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's start with the uh, the locks of the week. So uh, last week, um, Sean was the only successful one. He uh, had Houston plus three and a half against Texas Tech, barely. Barrel. To talk about like by 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 a half a point. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Good, good win for him. That puts him at two and one on the locks of the week for the year. So, a uh, pretty, pretty good start to the season for for Sean. Um, last week, you had the UNC versus George over at sixty four and a half. Tragic loss for you. Bad so. beat, man. The refs Very got me. Beat. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So that brings on the season. And I had Bama minus twenty and a half versus Texas, and that didn't come close to hitting. So. I am now zero and three on the season. I'm gonna get Bring a win up here. The rear. I'm gonna get a win here soon. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before I get one. Um, so since Sean isn't with us, I'll go ahead and uh, say his lock of the week. He has Oklahoma minus ten and a half versus Nebraska. I like this pick, but at the same time, I was a little bit kind of hesitant about it because Oklahoma seemed to struggle a little bit with Kent State, and it's on the road at in Lincoln. I know, but with Nebraska just firing Scott Frost and everything. I could very well see this being a game that Nebraska struggles. You never know that bounce back effect. Like, are they going to bounce back strong? Or are they just going to be like pack it in and just call it a season after this? It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it could be a 40 point loss or they could somehow freaking pull off an upset. Right. I would, would that not be so Scott Frost? If like the first game after he gets fired, they beat a top five team. <laughs> <They're going> <laughs> that would be insane. I'd feel pretty bad for him at that point, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. What's your uh, what's your lock of the week, Hunter? Uh, so my lock of the week, uh, I went with Georgia State minus nineteen uh, over UNC Charlotte. Uh, UNC Charlotte lost to William and Mary uh, by like seventeen to twenty four points. Can't remember exactly, but they got beat down pretty bad by the Fighting Mike Londons um, at home. And I think Georgia State has actually impressed me a lot in their two games this year. Uh, they they obviously almost they they took it to the wire against UNC on Saturday, and they gave uh, South Carolina a run for their money in their home stadium in Week One. Um, in fact, had a, had a lead late into this third quarter um, before USC or uh, Southern. Oh my goodness, South Carolina <laughs> had a couple of uh, blocked punt. Beamer ball uh, touchdowns. Uh, so I, I think 19 is a little bit uh, – obviously, it's, it's a pretty hefty win if they were to win by 19, but I feel like they could win by 20 or more. So I'm locking that one in. I like it. I like it. That is a great, I think it's a great pick. Charles really been struggling a lot this year, and yeah, Georgia State necessarily hasn't, hasn't had an easy slate to start the season. <laughs> no. Um, I am going with Coastal Carolina minus 14 over Buffalo. Um, I'm really shocked by this line. If I'm being completely honest, um, Buffalo has started the season zero and two, and 
they haven't really played. They played Maryland and hold. They lost a Holy Cross uh, last week at home. Um, I, I, I like I like Coastal Carolina to kind of blow them out. To be completely honest, um, so unless unless I'm missing something here, I think uh, I, I I think this is a this, I think this is a game that Coastal Carolina will will handle easily. And not to mention, Coastal Carolina is at home, so uh, I I. I I see Grayson McCall having a big day, and I, I see them taking care of business. I think they, I think they easily cover this personally. I like it. All right, upset of the week. Last week, Sean had Baylor over BYU. Uh, Baylor lost in a close one. That was an overtime game. Really good football game, by the way. Crazy game. Yeah, really good football game. I like BYU a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Boston College over Virginia Tech. Boston College is clearly just. God, I can't believe how bad they are. They're awful. Um, so Virginia Tech won that game, and then I had Iowa State over Iowa. Good God, both of those teams stink. Basically, who wants to lose less? I don't <laughs> even know how to describe it. It basically wasn't who wanted to win more. I'll put it that Bro, way. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa has got to have the worst offense I think I've ever seen in my life. Like it's bad. Yeah, like it's really, really. But their bad. defense is freaking insane. Like it is, insane. it is very good. It they might score good. more points than the offense throughout the whole season. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um, but this week, uh, Syracuse. Uh, Sean has Syracuse plus one and a half over Purdue. Um, being at home, I like this pick a lot. Kind of surprised that they're underdogs here. Um, being in the dome, but. I think uh, I think with the way Syracuse's been playing, I, I could I could definitely see it. Yeah, I was tempted to take that one too. I think my philosophy was if I want to stick to some of my preseason predictions, which I'm not giving up on them completely yet, even though I said Boston College was going to be like the dark horse of Atlantic. <laughs> uh, I feel like Syracuse has to come crashing back down to earth at some point. Um, they're obviously on cloud nine at the moment, and you know, honestly, they look like a very competent football team. It's not like fool's gold. Um, but I, I think Purdue's actually a really solid Big Ten team um, that gave Big Ten or they gave Penn State all they could handle um, in the opening week. But I thought that was a great pick by Sean, and I could totally see that one hitting. For sure. It's only a matter of time before Dr. Bob comes back down to earth, right? <laughs> Let's hope it's against us next week. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I could wait another week if that's the case. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, you and I actually have the same uh, same upset pick this week. Uh, we are taking BYU plus three and a half over Oregon. Now this game is in Austin Stadium, um, but Hunter, what uh, what makes you think that that Oregon that uh, that that Oregon could you know succumb to uh, a tough BYU team? So, I mean, it's hard to like. I, I think it maybe is a little bit unfair um, that I'm judging so much of my opinion about Oregon based on their game against. But they looked (laughs) awful. Like they just did not impress me in the slightest. I don't, I do not rate Bo Nix as a quarterback at all. Have never really seen it from him consistently. He can make a play here and there, but he's not the type of guy that you want leading your program in my personal opinion. Um, And then BYU, man, like they're just a really well-coached, well put together, um, complete team, in my opinion, that maybe has their best team um, in the past, you know, decade or two, maybe back since 
even before Bronco potentially. Um, so I really like them to go in there, uh, get that upset win in Oregon. Uh, give me the Cougars. I like it. I agree. I don't think Bo Nix is the real is is it at all. Um, I think there's a reason why he got ran out of Auburn, um, and I, I think I think BYU is going to play better defense than Oregon will to to win them this football game. Personally, yeah. I think this yeah, is, I mean, I think this is very much an this could be an outright win situation. Oh, for sure. That that's the one I'm I, I'm thinking. It is money line. Like I'm taking BYU to win. Straight yeah. up, like so. that's I'm putting that bet in. I think this week for sure, for sure. Do you have uh, do you have the score predictions that we gave against Old Dominion? <sighs> Get that pulled up real quick. Let's see. Give our predictions on that game. Uh, see if we want to adjust them before we before we head on out of here for the night. You know, I actually do not have. That's okay. Well, that in front of me. What are uh? What do you think the final score will be of the game this weekend? I. Ah man, my brain and my heart are telling me different things. I think, you know, I really want to see the um, the offense bounce bounce back. I feel very confident in the defense, you know, putting up a solid performance. Um, I'm gonna go with my head just so that I can only be pleasantly surprised. I think we win. But I, I see it being low scoring. I see both offenses struggling a little bit, especially um, in the early going. But I see us finally putting it together in the second half and pulling away a little bit. So I'm going to go 24 to 13, who's. I like that pick a lot. And that would cover, actually, because UVA is a 10 yeah. point favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to. I definitely like, I like your reasoning, and I agree with you as far as like from a first half standpoint. I think the offense kind of finds some explosion in the second half. So I see this being a 34 to 14 uh, win for I would, be, I would much prefer that, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, we'll I think we can definitely see some struggles early on, but I think we're going to, I think, I think we'll end up pulling away. Um, I will say, I think the mentality will be noticeably better. I think you will see the guys like amped up to play, um, really locked in, not focused on the antics whatsoever. I think the coaching this week is really getting to them. And last week was a complete wake up call to them. Um, and I think Tony will have a great uh, segue to get his message delivered to these guys that, Hey, like you can't just roll out of bed and be better. Uh, you got to earn it on every single snap. So Couldn't agree more. I'm excited to see it. I'll, I'll be at a wedding for the second half. Uh, so I won't be in Charlottesville, unfortunately, but you know, I'll be there in spirit. Um, and that does remind me, do we have a giveaway to do before we wrap up, or is that something we're even going to do on the pod? Uh, we won't do it on the pod since uh, the deadline is tomorrow. So, but Oh, we got time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so uh, super excited that we're able to do that giveaway this week, and um, you know, best of luck to everybody that, uh, that answered the question. So Obviously, uh, we don't know the winner at this point, but if you are listening uh, on Friday morning and you were the one that won the tickets, congratulations to you. And uh, – Definitely be one of those that's standing loud and proud and cheering on third down and following Austin's 101 instructions on how to be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, 
All right. Well, if you made it this far, um, you know, obviously we appreciate all of our listeners and, um, you know, we thank every single one of you for your support week in and week out. Um, if you are a new listener uh, this week, we all we ask is that you uh, give us a, a like or a subscribe. Um, you can follow us on, on Twitter. Um, keep up to date on all things Virginia football there and, you know, be able to be sure to subscribe to us on uh, all your favorite podcast platforms. And we're hoping to be possibly adding, uh, YouTube to that uh, very soon. So keep an eye out for that as well. And uh, Hunter, as always, good time, man. Uh, Sean, if you're listening, it's always a good time with you as well. <laughs> we miss uh, you. So uh, <laughs> let's hope the Who's can have a bounce back win. And uh, you know, be sure to pack Scott. Go Who's. Go Who's.